The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, everyone. I'm Becky Strum, Managing Editor at Mansion Global, and I am back and joined this afternoon by Mauricio Umansky, founder and CEO of LA-based brokerage, The Agency. Welcome back, Mauricio. Thank you so much, Becky. It's good to be back and welcome back to you as well. It sounds Thank like you've you. been <laughs> Yes, I've been out on maternity leave. So this is my first Barron's Live in a while, um, but it's always a thrill. <laughs> a reminder to our audience that um, you can ask questions at any point and we'll try and save time at the end to get to as many as possible. Um, I thought we'd just start off by uh, making sure the audience understands your perspective. So the agency is based in Los Angeles, but your footprint has really expanded in recent years. So could you give us sort of an overview of the markets that the agency operates in? Well, the agency now is in uh, multiple markets across the globe, uh, starting in the south from Mexico to uh, the U.S., from the west coast to the east coast, uh, from the south to the north. Um, Canada, the Caribbean, um, as well as our first office now in Europe. Um, so, you know, I think for today, I'm going to just kind of focus on the, I'll stay on the Northern continent and, and let's start, let's stay away from Europe for today, just because uh, we only have one office, but, uh, I'm obviously investigating and I get the privilege now to really understand real estate on a global basis and not just on a local micro basis. Um, and, uh. You know, one thing that I can tell you is I've been traveling around the uh, the world and the country, uh, you know, in the last uh, month, month and a half. And, you know, the, the, co the conversation is very common and everybody believes that their area is different than somebody else's area. Their geography, geographical location is different and special and different. And, um, and I have news for everybody. It's um, fortunately or unfortunately right now, it's all the same. <laughs> uh, and, uh, that's kind of the, the, you know, the kind of the high arching message today is that the globe, the world um, is reacting the same. Some areas a little bit better, some areas a little bit worse, um, you know, where you've seen uh, an extraordinarily high um, uh, appreciation. You're seeing perhaps a little bit of a stronger depreciation or devaluation where it's been a little bit more steady throughout, you know, the last two and a half years. You're seeing a little bit more of a steady uh depreciation over the last two years but uh you know from my perspective you know we're definitely in a uh, in a, in a recession mm -hmm. uh, i don't know if the government is willing to accept that we're in a recession yet because of the midterm uh elections coming up here uh, but we're in a recession guys like i mean it's just that simple um and uh, there's ways of battling and investing and doing different things during a recession um and um and hedging and and all of that stuff and i think we're going to get into some of that today um, just globally, I'm excited to talk to everybody and share my, uh, my insights and research of what we have on a global basis. Great. So, um, really quickly, your, your quick take. I mean, I feel like I spent half of 2020 and all of 2021 asking experts, you know, when's the momentum going to shift? What's like, what's going to happen? And, you know, interest rates were always thrown out as like an obvious 
you know, game changer, so to speak. But I don't think anyone was predicting like six, seven percent rates this quickly. So have you been uh, surprised by how the winds have changed dramatically or or are you uh, feeling pretty level headed about it? No, I'm definitely surprised and shocked in terms of the speed mm -hmm. of which we arrived to this point. Um, I was expecting it. We were planning for it. Um, I was expecting and planning for six, you know, six and a half, seven percent interest rates. Uh, I just thought it was going to come uh, Q1, Q2 of next year, uh, yeah. not not you know beginning of Q3, end of Q2 of of of, of 2022. Um, so it just came a lot faster than than than, than I was expecting it and foreseeing. Uh, forecasting, uh, but I was forecasting it. Um, so, you know, as the agency, you know, we definitely planned for it, um, you know, and uh, and we're ready, you know, for this thing, um, you know, but I can tell you that, you know, as a consumer, uh, there's a lot of ways to, to, to navigate this world, uh, Becky, you know, from a, from a um, interest rate perspective, um, the, um, you know, you can still go get a loan today and, you know, if the interest rates continue to go up, uh, you're in good shape. And if the interest rates can, you know, start going down at a certain point, you can always refinance in, in you know, eight months to a year or whatever that looks like. Um, and, you know, right now the differential between a three percent and a six percent interest rate, um, you know, if you go on a ten one arm or something like that, you know, on a million dollars, uh, it's a six hundred thousand six hundred dollar a month payment is really the differential. Yeah. So really, you know, from a consumer perspective, you should really be looking at affordability. You know, what can you afford on a monthly basis? You know, keep in mind that if you rent, um, you know, versus buy, you know, your rent money is being thrown away. Um, and if you buy, uh, you're still receiving um, yeah, uh, equity. Uh, you get a, uh, a, a, um, a discount on your, on your taxes. You know, you get a tax deduction. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of benefits to, you know, continuing to be a home buyer. And quite honestly, over the years, um, we've not been able to uh, find over the last two years, it's been so difficult to find the house of your dreams. And now for the first time, you can find the house of your dreams. Yeah, right. So actually, this is a good point. So we have tons of audience questions. Uh, even before I you know, signed on this morning, tons of questions and they're really broad market trends. But I do want to dig down first into the theme of this uh, talk, which is that residential real estate can be a tool for investors during uh, uncertain or financially volatile times. Um, so before we get to all of the burning questions, I do want to touch on this. Um, so, you know, how have you found how and why can real estate be a hedge during a market downturn? Yeah, well, real estate, uh, um, it's a long term hold. Right. Number one, let's start with that. And if you yeah. take a look at the graphs, it's, and it's always been a hedge against inflation. I mean, if it's inflationary, you're going to have appreciation, right? Your, your, right. your assets can all go up in value. Um, but real estate, if you look at it as a long-term hold and not a short-term hold, whether it's an investment with a property that you're leasing and having somebody else pay for your, 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 uh, your asset, or whether you're using your asset and it's your personal home um, and you're paying for it yourself, it, that's a lifestyle play, right? So right. a lifestyle play should be a long-term hold. And if you look at the graphs of real estate and appreciation over the history, th th there is never a 10-year moment uh, since the uh, mid-1800s, okay? There's never been a 10-year moment. And keep in mind, nowadays, the world just moves even faster. So when we go back to the 1800s and we talk about a 10-year moment, that's probably like a three-year moment today, right? right? <laughs> yes. Last moment. 
But even if you take just a look, you know, let's keep it from the old days on those 10 years, there is never a point in that graph um, where real estate um, is, is, is lower than, the, than, 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 than where you purchased, okay? Right. Uh, you know, if you purchase at the very, very top, in two or three years, you might be lower, but then it comes right back up, right? So it's a long-term hedge bet. Um, the U.S. Uh, has always been a, uh, you know, buying a home and buying real estate. Buying a home is the American dream. Like, that's what we want to do. So, you know, the, the laws are there to, to help us buy uh, tax deductions, uh, you know, 1031 exchanges, all of that kind of stuff. They're, they're there to help us. Um, I, I hope that, you know, from a political perspective, that doesn't change uh, going forward. Uh, but that's always been the American dream. Right, right. Um, so then the, the $10 million question is, you know, uh, for the people taking this advice and looking for opportunities, you know, is this a good time to buy a rental, for example, if so many people are priced out of the, the sales market? Yeah, well, well, again, if you look at it as a long-term hold, I think it's always a good time to buy real estate. Yeah. You, know, you know, buying dirt, buying real estate um, is, is um, at the end of the day, if the only way you get hurt in real estate, okay, the only way, this is a truth, I, I'm going to tell you guys right now, the only way you get hurt in real estate is there's an outside force that causes you to sell at a moment in time that you are not the decider of the time that you sell or liquidate that asset. Okay, if you can hold and you control, um, you 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 literally cannot lose money in in real estate. Um, you just can't. I, I, you go again. You go back to the mid eighteen hundreds. It just doesn't happen. The way people lose money in real estate is because an outside force, um, you know, uh, a divorce, uh, a capital event, um, you know, a loss of a job something happens to your life that causes you and forces you to make a decision to have to liquidate that asset at a moment in time that you weren't ready for it okay but if you're can be in control of that you can't you just can't lose great and um if you could give buyers advice you know with things changing so much and potentially prices coming down or there being at some point in, in the future, certainly not now, there being more inventory, you know, when do you think that it will be a good time to get in if you wanted to time it a little bit or be a little more savvy about timing this? Yeah, if you want to time your investment, to, to, well, first of all, that crystal ball, right? Um, <laughs> Yeah, hold on. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Massage <laughs> the crystal ball. And let's get it out right now. Um, it's hard to know, um, and you know, I have a lot of different opinions on that. Uh, I, I, I go back and forth all the time in my head uh, on that, and I, I believe that you know, a perfect time to buy might be you know coming out here in Q4 or Q1, yeah. um, where we really start seeing you know some prices uh, coming down. Um, again, interest rates are going to be high, uh, but you can always refinance. So it's a question of like, you know, can I buy at the right moment, suffer through the higher interest rate and then refinance when the interest rates are lower. If the interest rates go up, you know, you're going to continue, you're going to own real estate at the right moment of time. And there's two ways of looking at that, right? If you're buying an investment property or if you're buying a home, uh, if you're buying a home, again, you're buying a long-term lifestyle. I mean, I, I, I just bought a home in Aspen. Um, probably, you know, at the higher end of the time at, at, at the, of the market. Mm -hmm. uh, but by the same token, 
I find I've been looking for the past three years, and every time I found a house, I was in in multiple bidding. And I'm like, I'm a guy that knows what they're doing, but I was in multiple bidding wars. I was yeah. battling. I was having to do things I didn't want to do, and you know, I just stepped on the sideline. And now all of a sudden, here I am. Uh, you know, I've been looking to change my lifestyle. I've been looking to upgrade in my particular case, um, and I found the home of my dreams. Right, and so uh, when you do that, and you find a home that you love and a place that you want to be, that's your sanctuary. Um, like I said, just go for it. Um, but um, if you really want to time the market, I, um, you know, I, um, I would say uh, potentially uh, on an investment property. There's always opportunities. Let me be clear on that. So timing is not about the opportunities. It's also about finding the right um, real estate agent. Not that I'm pitching real estate agents, but it's about making offers and finding opportunities and, and, and all of that stuff. I mean, you can go out today. Um, and buy a property that's asking two million dollars, and you know, write an offer of a million three, and end up buying it at a million four. Um, right. And you just did a great buy, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that has nothing to do with timing the market. It just has to do. So you know, being be willing to to do your research, be willing to write some offers, be willing to move, you know, pass. Mm -hmm. But when you find the right opportunity, strike. Uh, from an investment perspective, right? Because sellers today may not lower, may not be lowering their asking prices, but I can tell you for a fact that they are willing to take lower offers for yeah. their property than they were before. Uh, so you know, do your research, do make the right play, and make an offer. Are there markets that have seen? So you mentioned you've been, you know, traveling all over the place, and and you know, markets are reacting similarly, but to greater degrees. Is are there places where you really see um, uh, sort of sellers softening their stance a little bit more? For example, I know the past you mentioned Aspen. The past you know two years has been all about the secondary home markets becoming primary home markets. Boise, Salt Lake. Uh, the Gulf Coast of Florida, Montana, um, but you know, are, where are sort of where are the opportunities opening up from your experience? I think there's going to be opportunities everywhere and anywhere. Um, I think that um, you know personally, I would be buying and investing right now if you're an investor. Again, if you're buying for yourself and you're buying lifestyle and you're buying your home, different story. That's your sanctuary. You got to look at yourself and understand what you want. And 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 again, right now there's finally going to be some inventory for you to actually pick your home. Okay, but if you're an investor personally, I I I like going back to the urban um, opportunities. Mm. They did an increase and appreciate as much as you know some of the suburban areas that you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, you know, look at the infill areas where again it's. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the COVID thing is, I, I think, is really starting to, you know, we're getting it behind us. You know, we're definitely starting to see it in our in our rearview mirror. Yeah. Um, and I think people are wanting to come back to the cities. Uh, if you look at Manhattan, you know, that that seems to be really, you know, coming back strong right now. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Los Angeles, you know, is starting to come back. Um, and when I say come back, all of these markets were appreciating during these amazing times anyway. Um, yeah. but it seems like the trend of people are, are, are definitely coming back to, to the cities um, and, and, and starting to, you know, have the country as their secondary home, not as their primary home. Um, and so I think I think urban urban opportunities is a good place to be. That's really interesting. Um, it's interesting, too, because I feel like um, slightly before the pandemic in 2019, if we can remember those times, I remember we did a story where we got some data from UBS and they said during uncertain times, the trend 
historically has been a flood of wealth into financial centers. So it's funny that your advice matches up pretty, pretty well with that. Um, so uh, an audience question we have, and this is sort of, this is another $100 million question here. Um, how long will it take for the market to stabilize and reach a new normal? Uh, so, yeah. Go ahead. You, you want to finish that? Is there a second part? To oh, that? There is a second part to the question. Um, do you think mortgage rates will escalate into double digits next year? So, uh, I do not think mortgage rates. I'm going to start with the second part of that question because that, you know, starting with the second part of the question will will in essence create the first part of the answer, right? Yes. Uh, uh, I do not see mortgage rates escalating into double digits. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I think the world is just way too hurt right now. We're really starting to see uh, the world's the world's in danger right now. It's sick. Uh, we've got a lot of pressures from a lot of different places, um, and we're not in good shape right now. Um, I, I also think that a lot of the decisions, unfortunately, that the government is making right now, and uh, are are based on lagging indicators, uh, particularly when it comes to inflation. You know, I can tell you that if I look at China right now, China China is the is is, is really the uh, you know, the big inflationary play, right? Because that's where all of our consumer products are made. That's where uh, uh, a lot of the manufacturing is uh, and all of that stuff. And I can tell you uh, with the fact, you know, even if you just look at shipping from China, shipping a container, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, shipping a container from China, the U.S. was probably around $4,000 a, a container. Uh, that, that inflation grew to probably about, you know, ten to $12,000. Uh -huh. um, and if you look back at that right now, you're probably paying $5,500 a container today, which means that the control of inflation is already starting to be, you know, controlled. The problem is that our government and all of the indicators that we're looking at are all lagging indicators and we're making decisions uh, on lagging decisions. And so um, even if we continue to raise interest rates, you know, to control inflation, um, eventually those indications are going to start, you know, our government's going to start seeing the indicators that inflation is under control. Um, so even if we go to seven, seven and a quarter, um, I, I just think that eventually that's going to catch up and we're going to start seeing that and we're going to start seeing a control of the, um, the Fed rate um, stop, you know, the, uh, the increases because I think that we're going, I, I think we're taking it too far. Um, I think we've already done the right job. Um, and I just don't think that we're analyzing it properly, uh, unfortunately. But um, but that that that's my my crystal ball on that. Um, the uh, it, 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 so when I say that, um, I think that um, the uh, the market's going to start stabilizing. The real estate market should start stabilizing um, it, it, in that Q, Q1 uh, of 2023. Um, I, I you know I think we'll start seeing you know kind of the bottom of volume. Uh, you know, one of the things that I want to explain is that there's going to be this, in my opinion, this is going to be a very interesting market uh, recession because it's not going to be so price driven. It's going to be more volume driven. It's really the transaction volume that's going to cause the recession versus the price uh, going to cause the recession. And don't get me wrong, we're going to see a price depreciation, but not as high as I think people are expecting. Um, the, the sellers of properties are um are holding on to really low interest rates two two and a half three percent etc etc so generally speaking the reason you see a devaluation or depreciation in pricing is because sellers are hurting and they need to sell because an outside force is causing them to sell right which is what, what i was saying earlier yeah. and in this particular case because of interest rates being so low uh, that outside force is just not going to be as strong um, you know, to sellers that are currently holding on to these lower interest rates. So, 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 so they're not going to be in dire straits to sell properties. 
Um, and so I, 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 I don't think this is going to be a 30% drop in, in, in pricing like we saw in 2008, 30 to 35% drop. I think this is going to be a 30 to 35% drop in transactions, right. uh, but not in pricing. I think we're going to see, we, we are seeing a price depreciation. Um, and I think that'll stabilize probably in the 15 to 20% mm -hmm. uh, number. Um, and then we're going to start seeing people, you know, jump back into um, ownership and real estate investments. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a good point you raise, and it leads right into the next question I had, which is that there was this hope that when the market cooled, all these people that hadn't taken advantage of low rates or, or the, the craziness of the past two years would finally have things to choose from in the markets that have no inventory at all. But that's absolutely not what's happening. And, and for reasons like you just mentioned, people are holding on to very low rates. So there's not a lot of incentive to move. Um, but it, when, when might we see a little bit more inventory in the market? Are we going to have to wait till spring, basically, the spring buying season before we start seeing a little uptick? No, we're already seeing a little bit more inventory in the markets now. So it's already starting to happen. Uh, transaction volume is down. When transaction volume is down, people still need to sell and people still want to sell for a mm -hmm. amount of different reasons, yeah. uh, whether they're empty nesters or they're upgrading or downgrading or, you know, whatever it is that they're doing. I mean, there's still life uh, events that still cause, you know, people to sell. There's still new construction, there's buildings, there's homes, there's all of this stuff. And those, those things need to be sold. I mean, um, those aren't, you know, properties. So, so we're already starting to see the increased um, inventories um, that, that, that is happening. Um, and, and there's already choices, you know, for, for buyers out there and they're starting to find choices and all of that stuff. Um, there's still, believe it or not, I mean, you know, I was in Northern California yesterday and, uh, um, I, you know, I, I was talking to a couple of agents, um, you know, we just had a property that was uh, on the market for $6.9 million and it had, you know, it had two offers on it and it ended up selling for $7.8 million. Um, so it's still going above asking price. Uh, uh, you know, that same, uh, that same property probably in, you know, a year, six months ago, probably had 18 offers on it, not two. Uh, um, but you still have multiple bidders bidding for really good real estate, really good properties, um, particularly in the high end, um, you know, when people are paying cash, um, again, you're buying the real estate, the interest rates don't affect, the interest rates definitely affect kind of the lower end. Um, but again, it goes to an affordability uh, situation where, you know, a million dollars is $600 a month. I mean, I mean, let's just really just, you know, understand that, right? So um, it's... it's um, and most people, just so you know, most people borrow, uh, most people in the United States, not everybody, most people borrow less than what they can actually qualify for. Right, right, uh, right. Um, they tend to borrow more on their credit cards, but that's a different problem. Um, but they generally borrow less than they can qualify for. Um, and uh, and therefore, a lot, you know, you, you, you can still go out and buy, you know, the house, the home of your dreams. You mentioned uh, you mentioned that all cash buyers are sort of back. And you know, so is that is, has the luxury market seen an increase in cash buys or are very high net worth individuals still able to get lower interest rates through their you know banking relationships? Again, as I said in the beginning, the uh, well, first of all, you know, the ultra high net worth are always able to get better rates. Um, that's just part of life. Um, the, uh, uh, there is a lot of cash buying going on right now, but, um, again, as I said at the beginning, everybody's hurt. Okay. I mean, that's not, I mean, let's just be real about this thing. So, uh, six months ago, there was a lot more cash buyers than there are today. Okay. Oh, really? 
that we, we still have the cash and we still have the wealthy buying and we still have them doing their stuff and all of that stuff. I mean, where this is not a dead market. Okay. Um, but, um, but, but, but every across, across the gamut, mm -hmm. uh, there is no question that we have a slowdown, no matter what price point, no matter what wealth, uh, there is a slowdown. Um, and, and again, I predict we're going to hit the bottom, uh, you know, coming here in, at the end of Q4. Um, and I think we're going to start seeing uh, Q1 after midterm elections and, and all of that stuff start kind of um, rebounding. Um, we have a audience question from Eric who uh, is asking, what are your best tips for buyers and sellers in negotiating during the shifting market? So what are you telling buyers and sellers right now? Yeah, great question, Eric. I mean, it's uh, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a buyer's market. Uh, you know, now more than ever, I think it's really important to get a really great a really great real estate agent on your behalf that uh, that can actually knows and how to navigate a, a, a uh, negotiation. Uh, negotiations can be very tricky, and it's not uh, one of one of the reasons um, real, great real estate agents stand out is because not every negotiation is the same. Um, and so there's not one thing that I can tell you. It's like, hey, go do this, go do that. Um, you really just have to analyze, you know, the room, the price point, uh, the pain points. Um, and, and that is what starts separating great, you know, great realtors from, from, from not so great realtors. Um, and that is why when you see a, uh, uh, always when you see a recession, um, you know, you see the great realtors kind of rise to the top and, you know, people start giving, um, you know, their business to their, their aunt or their, their cousin or their, you know, whatever. And they actually start searching out, you know, kind of that person that has a little bit more experience, uh, in order to get things done. Uh, but overall, I would say, you know, um, educate yourself on the market, on the local micro CMAs, understand, you know, what that looks like. Be strong um, as a buyer, um, you know, uh, be smart. Um, you know, the more education you have, the better off you're going to be able to ne negotiate. Uh, and right now there's tools at your fingertips, you know, as a consumer, as a realtor, um, you know, so before we can literally throw a dart to go, you can throw a dart and doesn't matter what you buy. Um, sorry, the connection got a little choppy there, but I think we're okay. Um, uh, um, a question, you know, something that has come up a lot is that there was a moment during the height of this uh, frenzy to buy where uh, there were no, you know, no contingencies, no inspections. Have have buyers got those back now? Do they have the upper hand when it comes to sort of being able to <laughs> take their time and not waive all of these important things? Absolutely. And that's one of the beautiful things about this right now from a buyer's perspective is that you can actually go out and, as I said, buy a home you want, buy a property you want, properly inspect it, properly do your due diligence, you know, really know what you're buying. Um, and I think that's a great, um, you know, positive from a buyer's perspective, rather than, you know, having to give everything up and no contingency season. I mean, I definitely saw some, uh, some horse uh, you know, were scary. Um,
Is the is the internet connection okay there? Yeah, yeah. I caught. I just it's a little bit laggy, but we only have a few minutes left, so I <laughs> reluctant to to find another way to communicate. But but we can power through this. We've got a couple of minutes left. Um, an an interesting question um, about trends. So where buyers are moving to uh, in terms of uh, domestic relocation, uh, states and regions. So where are you sort of seeing the migration happening? Are there any big trends? I know the, the, like, the big thing we've talked about has been the move to lower tax states over the past um, maybe five years or so um, and like went into hyperspeed during the pandemic. But um, but you know, very recently, are you seeing some sort of interesting migration trends? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's hard to actually really see that because again, with a transaction volume that's continuously decreasing on a on a month to month basis right now, it's really hard to actually find you know real trends um, because the trend is actually decreased oh, wow. you know line. Uh, so it's kind of hard to say that, but again. I, um, uh, urban cities, going back to some urban, yeah. uh, going back to the city, um, yeah, you know, we're, you know, Arizona is still seeing, you know, some strong, you know, real estate sales, you know, compared to other areas. And so we're still mm -hmm. seeing some people fleeing, uh, certain areas and going to places like Arizona, um, you know, Florida seems to be kind of holding up. I mean, right now, obviously the poor West coast of Florida with the hurricane, you know, oh, let's right. see what happens there. Right. Our players have to, uh, you know, our, family members and friends and people out there. So, um, you know, particularly our, our, you know, our personal agency family down in Naples. So, you know, just, uh, um, but the Florida seems to be continuously, uh, you know, strong the East coast, um, you know, Manhattan, uh, mm -hmm. New York is definitely seeing a little bit of an up, you know, tick in, 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 um, uh, trends, you know, going towards, you know, areas like that. Boston, Washington, DC, all, you know, all of that stuff is just continuing, uh, you know, to be kind of, you know, somewhat trendy. Um, yeah. Look, people are still looking at second homes. I mean, we're still seeing a decent market in our, you know, our, out of our Turks and Caicos, Caribbean uh, offices, uh, uh, you know, Canada, Montreal is still seeing a decent market. And again, everything is just kind of, um, uh, again, that all, I say all of that, from a trend perspective, and again, just you know, being real about it, that you know, transaction volume is down. Okay, yeah. um, um, but but I do believe it's starting to stabilize, and we're going to start seeing it come up right now. So I'm, I, I definitely see a, uh, a a good trend line in the in the near future. Great. Um, I have about a million more audience questions and some questions of my own, but we are out of time. Um, and so I want to thank you, Mauricio, for being here. And thank you to our audience for tuning in. Thank you so much, Becky. And uh, let's do it again. Yeah, definitely. Yes, we'll set a new theme for next time. So um, please join us, everyone, on Monday uh, when Barron's uh, Senior Managing Editor Lauren R. Rublin and Deputy Editor Ben Levison discuss the outlook for financial markets, industry sectors, and individual stocks. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy and stay safe. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.